Amen. Well, we probably should move on, but how good is that? <laughs> so good. Um, I love it. And I, we could sit here for the rest of the day, but it's a beautiful day outside. God has blessed us with, so we're going to keep going. So why don't you find your seats? Thank you, team. Amazing job. And I can someone give me my notes? Thank you. Thanks, Jordan. How good is it to be in church today? So good. Thank you. Awesome. Why don't we give the team uh, thanks, give them a massive hand. Worship was unreal this morning. So good. I feel like we did hit something new, a new height in worship. And John is right. There's something on today. There's something more than just the weather, but I think the weather helps us just see things straight away. Like it's, it's our natural, it's what we see. We don't have to imagine anything, it's just there. And it's just such a blessing from God that we can live in such a beautiful part of the world and have his creation around us to remind us who he is. And I absolutely love it. So get outside today, do something outside. I don't know what you like to do, I don't really like going outside too much. I saw a bit of my family just sitting there like, you don't like going outside. But I do. Maybe that's the new, that's the new me, the new season. Come on. No, it's very good. So good. No, I am very privileged to be preaching this morning. Um, I'm going to bring a message around Jesus. Which is, <laughs> my wife is excited, so... Let's all try and match her enthusiasm this morning. There we go. Come on. I love it. I think every week we're always trying to match Anna's enthusiasm. Well, I am always trying to match her enthusiasm. But it's, yeah, it's good. It's a, that'll be a battle. But it's so good. No, I love it. I'm so encouraged by my wife. She is bold and beautiful and always has my back and always leads us into incredible zones in worship. So thank you, babe, for being so vocal. All the time. I love it. That is a, that's a good thing, isn't it? Hey, I meant it as a good thing. <laughs> Shall we pray? Maybe we should pray. Oh, Lord, we thank you for being here today, God. We thank you for the opportunity to gather, to worship, to experience your presence together as one, as a family, as, as a church, that, um, as your church. And God, we just dedicate the next couple of minutes to you, Father, as we read your word. And Jesus, as we learn more about you, God, I pray that something would happen in every single life this morning. Jesus, that you would reveal yourself in a new way this morning to every single person here, starting with me in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Awesome. All right. Well, Jesus, the I am. Who knows what that means? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, John. Jesus the I Am. When I first saw that was the title of all the theme, I was a bit like, oh, interesting. And actually, funnily enough, there was a swap. Anna was actually preaching on this theme originally. Remember that? And I said, oh, now I'm preaching on Jesus the I Am. And you're like, no, oh, I wanted to. That's what she sounds like in my head, apparently. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, well, you can if you want. Let's swap because I don't really know what this is. But this has been the best discovery of my life is finding out what Jesus the I am means because it has changed my life dramatically in a week, in a month of just pondering, pondering on this, but in the last week especially. So I'm so excited to bring this to you, um, so much so that I was up at 5am making slides for the screen. 
which I thought was pretty cool, you know? So this old thing can still have some creativity in him. Uh, I used Canva.com. It took about five minutes, but uh, we played. <laughs> Just if you wanted to know how white looks so good, that, that's why. All right, we're going to turn to the Bible. Let's go to John 18, verse... We're going to be reading verse 1 to 6. And just as you find that, I had, as I was preparing for this, I had two things only dropping me this morning that are going to change this morning. Two areas that kind of aren't really, well, they are relevant, but they're like sub-themes. The first one was guilt and shame. I believe that guilt and shame is going to be broken in people's lives this morning from just us exploring God's Word and for us, for, it might have already been broken. And I really believe that in that time of worship, that something did break. And um, I was, th- when, as soon as I heard that, I was like, yeah, that's, that's really good. And then I was like, well, guilt and shame, like, why do we even experience that? And so I pondered that and I Googled it. And some scholars say that guilt and shame is actually a negative, effective, sta- uh, negative, effective, States that occur in response to our transgression or shortcoming. And both are self-conscious emotions, meaning that self-reflection is critical to their occurrence. So that's very interesting. So guilt and shame is something we will experience in our lives. But I want to say this morning that pain or guilt and shame is like pain in the body. It's pain signals in the body are a message to your brain to say something's wrong. That's like guilt and shame. And I want to tell you this morning, it's a call to response. It's not an invitation to a sleepover. So you're not meant to stay the night in guilt and shame. When we act out and we do things that are a little bit silly, that's me. Every time anyone who speaks with a microphone and talks about shame, I instantly think it's about me because it sounds like my name. <laughs> And people are like, Shane will keep you in the dark. Shane will keep you lost. I'm like, I'm not that bad. I just want friends. <laughs> I'm not that bad. But shame is not a sleepover. I actually like sleepovers. So if you want to hang out, let's do it. I'm keen. But shame with an M is not a sleepover. Don't stay there longer than you need to. It's a response. It's an emotional thing that God created inside of us. Yes, I believe that. And it can lead you to a great response of healing and restoration, but it is not a sleepover. And I'm declaring that over lives this morning, that that is broken right now. Shame and guilt. The world wants you to be shamed, because if you're shamed, then you're silent. And that's not us. That is not what we are. We live in Jesus' freedom. And the second thing that I think is going to break this morning, if it already hasn't, is anger and bitterness. In James 1.20, I think we can have that on the screens, it says... Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Have you ever been angry about something? Have you ever been angry about something that you felt was good to be angry about? Maybe someone hurt you. Maybe someone hurt your family. Well, the Bible says not to go to sleep on your anger. And in fact, human anger will not produce anything God desires. God desires. That's the key right there, not what I desire. I might desire that that person gets punched in the face for hurting me or hurting my family or or doing that thing to someone that, you know, you feel justice rising inside of you and you, and you, you, you know, you get passionate. You get passionate. Have you ever been passionately angry? Well, in Ephesians 4.26, it says, but don't let the passion, this is the 
the passion translation. So very relevant here. But don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge, not even for a day. Not even for a day. And so I'm believing this morning, if not already, because it's by God's might, not by my words. It's Him alone. That anger and bitterness are breaking right now in Jesus' mighty name. That the picture of the sun outside is, a, is a, like a metaphor. It's an image right now for the sun, Him, the one, the I am right now being here in this room, setting people free from guilt and shame and setting people free from anger and bitterness in Jesus' mighty name. So good. So anyway, let's go to John 18, <laughs> verse 1 to 6. I actually need to get there because I didn't put it in my notes. Who's there? We, at youth, we do shuckers when you're there. So that means pinky out, thumb out, and then you shake it in the air like this if you're there. I'm still not there, so I'm, I shouldn't be shuckering. So John 18, actually, before we do that, I should introduce myself. I'm Shane, and <laughs> the reason I said about youth <laughs> is because me and my lovely wife, Anna, who I mentioned before, we run the youth here, and we have an amazing team, and we're here every Friday nights, apart from the one just being, because it was only the girls, and the boys went bowling, and it looked awesome. Um, but yeah, so we run youth and it's an amazing time together and we love it. So that's why I'm saying shuckers when you're there. Hey, if you're not there, that's all right. We'll have it on the screens and I'll be reading. So we're reading from verse one in chapter 18. It says, when he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was a garden and he set and he and his disciples went to it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the garden, gilding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. I instantly think of Shrek just then, when they're going in <laughs> to the swamp with all of those weapons. I don't know if you're with me. If not, I'll just, I don't want to sidetrack. Verse 4, Jesus, knowing all that was going to happen to him, went out and asked them, this is so important, who is it you want? So there's his question. And they reply, Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And Jesus then says, I am he. And Judas, the traitor, was standing there with them. When Judas said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And that's where we'll stop just now. So when Jesus said the words, I am he, all who persecuted him fell to the ground. Why? Like seriously think, maybe even put yourself into that Shrek situation where you've, you can see all the villagers and the angry people or the priests and the soldiers coming up and they're, they're ready to go. They probably have heavy armor on. They're probably pretty stocky people, right? Why did they all fall down at three simple words that Jesus said? Well, I believe it was Jesus declaring that he is God. That's what my Bible shows me. When he says, I am, he's saying, I am Yahweh. I am God. I was, I am and I will be. And it's like he's wrapping up the past, his, his walk that he's done, the, the, 
years of ministry that he did, it's like he's he's saying, "I yes, that's all me. I am that. I'm here right now, so take me. And I am going, we know, to rise again. And I am he. I am the Messiah. I am the chosen one. I am him. I am God. And that's why I believe that they all fell down. I mean, I don't know what it looked like. Might have looked like an altar call where everyone just falls over and who wants to see that again? Come on. I'm, I want to see that again. But who, like, it's just, it's mind-boggling. And how many were there? And why did they fall over? Was it like dominoes? Was it all at once? But just with those three words that God, that Jesus, which God said, I am He. And it was Jesus claiming all that God had done and was going to do. In John, he actually mentions seven times that specific times that Jesus performed miracles. And I've put them up on the slide so that you can read them. If we go to the seven times in John, Jesus performs miracles. We have water into wine, chapter 2. We have healing a sick boy, chapter 4. We have healing a paralyzed man, chapter 5. We have feeding the 5,000 men, that's chapter 6. That's 5,000 men, which that just got reiterated in my mind when, was it you, Kirsten, that preached that? She was saying five, Kirsten, by the way, amazing preacher. So I know you're going to hate me for this. I'm really sorry. Welcome to the family. Um, But you're an amazing preacher. And watch this space because the way that you speak is is God's wisdom right there and God's love. So watch this space. Anyway, so she reminded us on Friday night before, not this one, that 5,000 men. So there's also the women and then the children and then some left over. So that's the miracle there. That's just, that blew me away. I've always just thought 5,000 people, but no, 5,000 men, women and children there and there was still some left over. Amazing miracle. Number five is healing a blind man. In chapter 9, number 6, we heard about two weeks ago or three weeks ago um, about raising Lazarus from the dead. That's chapter 11, which ultimately is like the final miracle that he performed that got him arrested. That The high priests were like, Dah, we got you. Now you're going to be arrested and you, you, know, you know the rest. And I loved learning about how Jesus waited four days and the... And the the significance of that, about how in that time they felt that the spirits hung around for three days and Jesus deliberately waited for the fourth day to perform that miracle. But I think it's also amazing. He knew that that was going to cause a problem. He knew that him rocking up and healing Lazarus on that day was going to be the final nail in the coffin, we could say, or nail on the cross, maybe we should say, into him being put to death, but he wasn't scared the whole time. I mean, even in that verse that we just read, it was saying Jesus knew what was going to happen. And Jesus knows what's going to happen in your life. He knows what has happened, he knows what is happening, and he knows what's going to happen. And that alone, that message alone is enough to stand on and is so encouraging for us to to lean on. The seventh one is Jesus' resurrection, which is love conquering death, which is the freedom that we live in. So Jesus has all authority, but the enemy wants you to think that he does not. And we so easily, like the story in the Bible when we were reading 
I only got up to Isaiah, but when we were reading before we swapped to the, the, the New Testament, but you see time and time again, the story of the Israelites is the story of humanity. It's them going, yes, we're back in God's presence. We're happy now. And then so quickly, they turn back over. And you'd be a fool to think that that's not you. That's us. That's an image of us. And we would do that time and time again. And if you're anything like me, you have done it time and time again. But Jesus does have all authority. No matter what the enemy says, no matter what your doubts say, no matter what your mind says, no matter what your friends say, Jesus has all the authority. When the persecutors came to arrest Jesus, they fall down and they are totally unraveled by three words, I am he. He actually asks them again, probably who knows how long it's been, they're getting up again, kind of like getting their, leaning on their spear and on their shield on one another, like what the heck just happened? And then Jesus is just probably sick of waiting and asks them again. He's like, who is it that you want? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. I'm, I'm sure in my head they're, they're stuttering and fumbling over their words at that point because they're a little bit wiped out. And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And then he says, I told you that I am he. So before Jesus even rose from the, ga- the grave, all the world was impacted by his words that he is God, that he is Yahweh. And like I said before, the enemy wants you to think that you have no power and that Jesus has no power. In that scenario right there, when Jesus said those words and everyone fell, I think the enemy knew straight away that, oh, yeah, well, they knew right there. Who knows? Maybe some of them got saved. Maybe them got transformed in a moment. But they knew at that moment, oh, no, this guy has got something on him. His words aren't just empty. They're not just a a bluttering mess like maybe they were. The truth is Jesus has all the power. Say all. All the power. And he has given you access to that power. Jesus is the answer. And that's all I'm presenting to you today is that your answer would be Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is your I am. Also in John, there's seven other awesome things that John points out. And these are I am statements, which are going to be on the screen as well. There's seven times that John records Jesus saying, I am. He says, I am the bread of life. I won't read where they are because this will go on too long. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for my sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And all of those I ams, I think, uh, contribute to the weight behind his statement when he said, I am he. I am he, because he has said already seven times, I am. And you could be like, you're just saying that, you're just saying that. But then when in that moment when he said, I am he, don't take anyone else. Don't take anyone else that's with me. I am he. I am, I am Jesus of Nazareth. I am God. Jesus can, I actually, no, I wrote this down originally. I wrote Jesus can be the I am for you. And then I changed that this morning. Jesus is the I am you've been looking for. He is. It's up to us to position ourselves into receiving that. 
He's such a gentleman. Jesus is kind and he's caring and he's patient and he will wait. He's done all. Imagine doing all that Jesus has done and not just being like, hey, I've done all this for you. Now accept it. Take it from me because I've done it all. And look what I've done. How good is it? But no, like that would be me. And so thank, thank God that I don't have to worry about that. But Jesus is a gentleman. He is kind. The way I picture Jesus in my head is a smile with the kindest eyes. And that's, a, that's just a picture that comes to my head. I wonder what comes to your head when you picture who Jesus is. Well, you might have questions like, God, what is it? What's, my, what's the answer? What's the thing I've been looking for? And I'm so convinced that it starts with Jesus, that the answer is, I am. That's what he's saying this morning is, I am. You, I don't know what questions you have on your heart, what things you're going through. I can say we've all been through some stuff that is heavy. But the answer this morning and every single day is Jesus is saying, I am. So can I have the band come up? as we kind of finish up this morning because we're going we're gonna to finish in a time of prayer because like John said a couple of weeks ago, there's no point preaching and teaching if we leave Jesus out. And in fact, I think for myself, one of the biggest revelations that I've had from learning about Jesus that I am and all that that means is that I have to stop doing Christianity without Jesus. In the last, in my 20s, because I'm 29, I'm almost hitting the big, yeah, I'm almost hitting the big 3-0. Got a few greys in me hair. I do. This morning I was like, whoa, look like my mum. Now, I don't hear any dishonor in that. I don't know about you. I'm an observationalist. I see life like it is. And I'll be the first to admit I have my mother's hair. And it is going grey. <laughs> but I am almost 30. And I was reflecting on that, that I feel like I've wasted so, many, so much of my 20s just leaving Jesus out of Christianity, leaving Jesus out of church. I don't know if you've ever been through a season where you were sick of church. I have. I've grown up in this church and I've gone through ups and downs and I've gone through seasons. And the answer isn't, well, this person's annoying me or I'm sick of the way we do this or I'm sick of the way this looks. The answer always comes back to, I am leaving Jesus out of my Christianity. This is not a religion. This is a relationship. And I've, I'm sure you've heard that before. Yesterday at the women's conference, they sung a song and I can't remember the lyric. But it, it blew me away in a moment. I'm like, yes, that's it. It was about tearing down the walls of religion that we create in our minds. That's what Jesus came to do. You know, He was outside of the temple walls, praying for the sick, healing people, sharing the good news that God loves them and that, that He was about to do something to tear down the veil, to stop anything from separating them from God. While the others stood in the temple, with their high robes and their fancy looking things, saying their fancy words. I don't want to be that person. 
I want to replicate Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. And if that is a message alone for you right now, to just come back to Jesus, to stop focusing on saying the right thing, looking like the right thing, even acting out the right thing, but to come back to Jesus, the great I am. There's new life here this morning. There's a new you waiting. No matter how good you feel about this, no matter how great you're feeling, there's always something more. There's always another door Jesus is waiting for us to open into. And so I want to give you the opportunity this morning to maybe just say that prayer again to Jesus. So why don't we close our eyes, give each other space. I wanna give everyone here the moment. We're gonna say this prayer together because you can never say this prayer enough. But if this is you, if, you're, if you wanna say this prayer for the first time, if, you, if you're like, I've never actually invited Jesus into my heart and you've talked about Jesus being the great I am, like the only one that I need to follow. And I wanna do that this morning. Can you be so brave? Can you be so bold and put up your hand this morning? No one else is looking. It's not even for me to come and pull you out of your chair. It's for God to see. I'd love to pray with you after. But if this is the first time you wanna make that decision, put your hand up right now. Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna say this prayer. And if you are saying this or you want prayer after, I'd love to pray with you. So why don't you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins and paid the ultimate price for me. I'm sorry for my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that your Holy Spirit would help me to speak the holy name of Jesus over my life. I thank you that today, by your power, I am a new creation. In the name of Jesus, amen.